Well, good morning. Good morning. Looking good. I don't think anybody came in late, so uh, yeah, everybody's looking good uh, still. I uh, wanted to take a minute and, uh, you know, kind of, it's, it's so funny because when I got up here, uh, I, was, I was like, well, let me get this ready, and I got all these things in my head, and I had these notes prepared, and I was like, okay, I need to I need to make sure that I welcome the audience and need to make sure I do this. And I'm like, okay, well, it's in my time. And Brandon does that. And then there goes Dave, you know, just, just uh, pumping me up to everyone. And, you know, uh, there goes everything that uh, was in my intro already. So we're, gonna, we're just going to dive in here in just a minute real quick. But uh, I wanted to say good morning. And uh, those of you who do not know me, obviously, Dave's already said it. Uh, I am John Clark. And my wife and I, Brandy Clark, and I have a uh, just absolute pleasure of serving here. And before I get into the message, I want to I wanna say a couple of things. Um, what we're going to talk about this morning, I want to preface this because I feel like it's very important with where we are today in America, okay? Uh, this morning, we're going to talk about a topic called identity. And what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to be like, okay, we're going to go there. Okay. Uh, that's not this message. That's not what this is. That's not where I'm going. Um, where I'm going this morning is a little bit more in the vein of who you are in Christ um, and what your identity in him is. And we're going to talk about what that brings about and how, when we unpack that, it's really going to give us some clarity on who we are, where we're seated, and then, of course, by the end, we're going to be talking about how when the lie of the enemy comes, we're able to identify it because of who we are, right? And so I just want to preface this. We're not talking about what you may be hearing on Facebook, what you may be hearing in uh, social media. You know, we've got lots of stuff going on in America right now. And the fact is, is that, you know, we all have our views on what might be or what might not be. Okay, but that's not what we're doing here this morning. So if you came and you hear the word identity, I don't want you to be like, oh, we're going there. That's not what we're doing this morning. Okay, so we're going to get into it here in a minute. I, I will say, how many dog lovers do we have in the house? Dog lovers? Yeah. So I do want to say uh, Nelly, our Australian cattle dog, uh, who is about 11 years old. Uh, I want to say I'm happy to report for you dog lovers that she is born again and she is... Uh, I'm telling you, she knows who she is in Christ. She knows uh, where she's seated in heavenly places. I have preached this message to her about 10 times this week. And so uh, she knows who she is, I'm telling you. And you know, it's funny. I was in there probably two nights ago, and uh, you know, she spends about 90% of her time uh, there in the dining room. And she's a lazy dog. She is just a very lazy dog. She don't want to do anything, okay? If, if, if I could bring her bowl and food to the dining room, that would just be it. She wouldn't even leave it, right? So, you know, I'm sitting in there, and I'm, I'm going through the message, and I'm, you know, and I just look at her, and she's just, like, looking at me like, what are you doing? You know, like, what are you doing? So, um, we're going to, we're just going to jump right into this real quick. Uh, let me get here. All right, why don't you go with me this morning to, we're going to go to Genesis 1 first, and I want to, I want to I want to open up with uh, the 26th verse. I'm just going to get into it. I'm going to give you old school. Say amen when you're there. Come on, say amen when you're there. We're going to go old school real quick, so I know. That's the only way I know to preach. So Genesis 1, 
We're going to get right into it just for time's sake. Uh, Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Everyone say, to be like us. Okay. To be like us. They will reign. Everyone say, reign. I'm going to do that a lot today. Okay. I'm going to make you say some stuff. I'm going to make you get involved for just a minute because I think really this topic is so, so important. So everyone say, reign. Over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the face of the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image, in his image, in the image of God, he created them, both male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, say govern it. Okay, that word govern actually means the act or process of governing or ruling over. The next word says govern it and reign. Everyone say reign. Reign. Over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Stop there. Reign there, that word reign, actually means to possess or exercise sovereign power or authority. It means to rule, to exercise government as a king or an emperor, to hold a supreme power, to rule, to, to have supreme or uncontrolled dominion, okay? So essentially, he's saying govern it and reign over it, okay? Let's, let's continue to read. Then God said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant. He talks about what he's given them. And if you skip down to the 31st verse for time's sake, then God looked over all that he had made and he saw that it was good. So we're going to go back just real quick. So here's what we've established in Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, God creates man, and he says, okay, I'm going to give this man and this woman, okay, man and woman, I'm going to give them authority, and I'm going to allow them to reign, and I'm going to allow them to govern. Now, why would this be? Just a quick insert here. Before the fall, excuse me, before God created the heavens and the earth, Lucifer, or Satan, or the enemy, if you will, was cast down out of heaven. Everyone understands this, right? The Bible says, I saw a star fall from heaven. Lucifer's cast down. He's in utter darkness. Genesis 1, God comes and says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was out without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Amen? We're all we're on the same page. So God says, okay, the enemy's here on the earth. You know, he said he was going to raise himself up against, uh, raise himself and exalt himself above God. And so he cast him down to earth. And so God's sitting there thinking, and this is, this is John's version. God's sitting there and he's thinking, you know, here's this guy that thinks that he's going to exalt himself above me. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create a man and a woman, okay? And I'm going to put them on the earth and they're going to torture this guy, okay? And here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to create the earth and I'm going to make man in my own image to be like me, Okay? Because that's what the scripture says, to be like us, okay? So he says, I'm going to give them rule, reign, and authority over everything, okay? So let's move on. Genesis 1. Go with me to Romans 8, 14. Real quick. And we're going to read from there. I'm just going to read it straight from here. Romans 8, 14. Say amen when you're there. Come on. Romans 8, 14, and it says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the 
children of God. Now, the Spirit of God, really quick, Dave talked about this two weeks ago. How many was here for Dave's message two weeks ago? Dynamic on the power of the Holy Spirit. It was unbelievable. If you did not get to see it, go back and watch it for sure. It will really, I don't have time to unpack this right now, but it will really unfold some of what we're going to talk about for just a moment. But the Spirit of God is the same Holy Spirit that was given when Christ ascended, and he said, wait here in Jerusalem and tarry, right? Okay. I'm going to teach this for a minute, guys, okay? I hope you guys are okay with that. So he says, I want you to wait here for the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in the upper room on the 120, right? And they're all filled, right? So in that moment, the Spirit of God comes in. When he comes in, he comes in with the kingdom of God, okay? Because Romans 14 says says that uh, the kingdom of God is neither meat nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, okay? So the the kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, where's the kingdom? Matter of fact, Jesus said uh, in another scripture, it was the Sadducees and the Pharisees were actually making fun of him. And they said, where's this kingdom of yours? And he said, the kingdom that I'm the king of is not a kingdom that you'll say, here it is or there it is, but the kingdom of God is within you. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is abiding inside of us, and we actually have the makeup of the kingdom of God inside of us. And so we're carriers of this authority and this power that Christ has given us, right? Okay, so for those who are led by the Spirit of God, the children of God, the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you would live in fear again. The Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. Everyone say sonship. Now, real quick, got to make a note. Sonship here doesn't just mean sonship. It means sons and daughters, okay? So ladies, you're not left out here, all right? I want to just make that very clear. Um, Spirit of, excuse me, received, the spirit that you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies to our spirit that we are the children of God. And now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Heirs there means a person who, who inherits or entitled or is inherited the rank, title, or position of another. Co-heirs means a person who inherits jointly with others, um, and so it says, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider, that our, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Now listen to this part, guys. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Creation is waiting in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed, right? So I don't have a whole lot of time to unpack that, but understand that in the beginning, excuse me, when Christ came, he unlocked the curse of man, but creation is still under the curse, amen? Okay, so it's, it's actually in groaning pains over and over. And I'm going to skip down just because for the sake of time here, but it says, uh, for the creation was subjected to frustration, uh, the 21st says that the creation itself uh, would be liberated from its bondage to, get, to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Now get this, the 22nd verse says this, we know that all of creation is groaning as in pains of childbirth right up until the present time, okay? So that's creation. We're going to skip down to the 26th verse, and it says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with wordless groans. Okay, this is, this is what I want you to get. When you skip down to the 34th verse, it says, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. 
Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Okay, sorry guys, I'm trying to get through the scripture here. What I want you to understand is that in the 22nd verse, in this Romans 8, where it's talking literally about sonship and identity, in the 22nd, the 26th, and the 34th verse, it says that the Spirit of God, all of creation, and Jesus is interceding in groaning pains, waiting for you to figure out who you are. So if, 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 if literally, if Paul, and I want to say this too, if Paul is sitting in a jail cell, guys, he's writing this letter to the church of Rome, and he's sitting in a jail cell, and he's saying, you need to understand who you are, because when you get to this position, when you get to a position where you're out of sorts, when you get to a position where life's maybe not going in the right direction for you, maybe some things are happening that's just not looking right, that just doesn't seem to fit, and, and, and life really isn't turning out to be what you thought it would be. You need to understand who you are in Christ and whose you are. Amen? So, so it's so important that we understand not only this, this, this area of identity, but we understand really, too, where we're getting ready to go, where we're seated, okay? So I want you to write this down if you can. Point one, really quick, understanding your identity in Christ will reveal who you really are. It actually reveals sonship in your life. Let's go real quick to Ephesians 1, and I'm going to try to run through this as quick as I can. Um, Ephesians 1. I won't do the say amen when you're here. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know what the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same mighty strength this right here, guys. He exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but the one that is to come. And God placed, listen to this, and God placed all things, everyone say all things. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head, everyone say head, over everything that is the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Real quick, we're going to insert this. Christ's body is the church. Do we understand this? Christ is the head of the church. We, in Christ, are the body of Christ. And here Paul is writing and saying, Christ was raised up and seated at the right hand of God. And he has all power, all dominion, all authority. And all things have been placed underneath his feet. He is the head of the church. You are the body. If you are his body and all things have been placed underneath your feet, or excuse me, under his feet, then essentially all things have been placed underneath our feet in the church, correct? Because we are his body. We have authority and we have power here on the earth. When I talk about power and authority, am I talking about like I can just go do magic? I can just go do whatever I want? I can just, I can say, uh, I want a car today. I want this. No, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is what we're fixing to go to. You're going to have to understand that when the lie of the enemy comes, so many times the enemy will land blows on us, okay? And when he, lo when he, when he, blow when he lands a blow on us, it's so important for us to understand who we are because if we don't know who we are and we don't know where we're seated, then we're fighting this blind battle. 
We're, we're fighting this battle that just, it's like, where am I going? What am I doing? What is going on in life? And we're in this, this place where we just think that we're just little Christians, just these little Christ followers, these people that I just get up and I go to work and God loves me. Yeah, I know he loves me, but I, I just really don't know who I am. And because I don't know who I am, I, I don't really know how to fight these battles. I, yeah, the Bible says this and the Bible says that, but how do I apply it to my life? But when I understand I'm a son. You're a daughter. I'm seated in heavenly places far above all things because of Christ and his finished work. It takes a new perspective. It takes on this completely different perspective. Ephesians 2, I'm going to prove to you that we're, that we're, uh, that we're seated with him and all things are under our feet. Real quick, we're just going to skip to the, to the fifth, fifth verse. Made us alive in Christ. When we were dead in transgression, it's by grace that we've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Real quick, point two. Understanding who you really are. Remember the first, the first one that we, that we talked about, the first point. Understanding who we really are reveals where you're seated in heavenly places. That's point number two. Now, we're going to go to Genesis 3. And I'm going to read from Genesis 3. And we're going we're to go fast because I know we're... We're getting close to time. I'm actually at 950. I'm doing good. Look at that. All right. I got through that. All right. Genesis 3. And this is where I really kind of want to start to add some of the identity of Christ and where, who we are in him, the sonship with where our place and authority is in Christ and where we're seated. And I want to show you a little bit about how where we're, where, why this is so important. Genesis 3 says this. Now, the serpent was more crafty. That word crafty there means deceiting and cunning or manipulative than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say to you, uh, did, did God really say you must not eat from the tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did not say you must not eat from the tree uh, that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, that your eyes will be opened and that you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And I want to stop just for a moment. I want to submit to you this morning that the first temptation, the first temptation from the enemy to mankind was not to bite into a fruit. The first temptation, he says it right here, the first temptation was for the enemy to get Eve to question what God said. That was the first temptation that ever happened. Because if, if, if the enemy can get you to question what God is saying in your life, he can get you to question your identity. He can get you to question everything about your life. The biggest mistake that Eve made in, her li in, 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 in all of really mankind was just simply talking to the serpent. I read a story that I don't have time to, to, to tell about Dan Moeller that he was just devouring scripture when he first got saved. And he said he came to this moment where, where he said that he, he knew, like he, he was getting these words that were like curse words and they were like directed towards Holy Spirit. And he came to this point in the scripture where it talks about blasphemy the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden he, he gets a little concerned because he's like, oh God, I've done that. I've done that. Like, I, Holy Spirit, what do I do here? And he said, he said, I, I don't mean this, Holy Spirit. I don't mean that towards you. And he said, I know. The Holy Spirit said this to Dan. He said, I know. He said, so here's what you're going to do. 
He said, every time that the lie of the enemy comes and tries to direct those words towards me, you're just going to tell me what you really think. And so every time that a word would try to come to Dan, he would just say, Holy Spirit, I love you. You are fantastic. You're amazing. We're going to write destiny together. We're going to win the lost. We're going to do all of these things. And he said, what the enemy tried to use against him to get him to question things in his life actually catapulted him to God. Because every time the enemy would say, nope, you know, here's this or here's that, he would just begin to worship and admonish the Lord. And he didn't even give time to the enemy. The Bible didn't say to rebuke the devil. It said to resist the devil and he'll flee. I've got to skip down here. The man, actually got to go back. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were opened and realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as, they were, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God because, or excuse me, amongst the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? I want to submit to you real quick that God did not come down in the middle of the day, in the cool of the day, and say, where are you? Because he didn't understand where Adam's geographical location was. He wrote the Bible. He knew where Adam and Eve was, and it said they were behind the trees. I submit to you that the reason he came down and asked Adam where he was is because he said in Genesis 1, I placed you in a place of authority and a place of power and rule and dominion, and you're not there anymore. Where are you? He had been out of covenant with God. He came out of covenant with God because of what Eve and Adam did. They broke covenant with God. But listen to this. He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I've commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And the woman said to the, the serpent, deceive me, and I ate it. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed, of you, cursed are you above all livestock and wild animals. To your belly you'll go. You'll eat the dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. Now listen to that. Between your offspring and hers. Listen to this part. And he, everyone say he, he will crush your head and you will, you will bruise his heel. When God came down to the coolness of the day, he had already looked 4,000 plus years into the future and said, I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send my son and I'm going to let him die a traitor's death on a cross. And he's going to win back. Listen to this, guys, because it's very important. He's going to win back salvation for my people again. But not only salvation, and this is where we miss it, guys. Not only salvation, but I'm going to restore them back to the days of Adam and Eve again. I'm going to put them in a position where they're ruling and reigning and they're overcomers again. God had already looked in the future and said, I'm never going to let my children go. I'm never going to let this happen to them. I'm going to send my son. I'm going to give him. Ephesians 6 talks about the, the armor of the Lord. It talks about, you know, how we raise up a shield against the fiery darts of the enemy. What are the fiery darts of the enemy? Fiery darts of the enemies of the enemy is a lie. The Bible says that he's the father of the lies. That's all he can do. That's all the enemy can do in your life. It's just lie. 
And so when he, when he comes back on the boat and he's just one by one throwing them at you and you're just, you're, 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 you're lifting up that shield of faith. Dave talked, he had an amazing, it's Pastor Dave, I apologize. Pastor Dave talked about this just last year, had an amazing series on, on the armor of God. It was so wonderful. And, and he talked about raising up that shield of faith. But what happens when the enemy blow, uh, lands a blow? What happens when we're fighting? You know, you're going to leave today and hopefully you're going to be like, I'm a son, I'm a daughter. I'm seated in heavenly places. But sometime this week, you know what? The enemy's going to start to talk to you. He's going to try to talk to you and say, hey, you know, remember that problem you got? That calling that you think God has on your life and all this stuff? Yeah, whatever. It's going to fade away. And maybe he lands a blow. What do we do in that moment? I'm glad you asked. The Bible says that there's also a sword of the Spirit. And in that time when they were writing this text, the sword of the Spirit, or the sword that they would have been talking about, was about an 18-inch dagger. When the lie comes from the enemy and it lands a blow, it's important that we use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and we root out the lie. I would submit to you that it is important to, to, to identify the lie of the enemy, but it is equally important to replace it with the truth. Because how many of you know that when, when, when a wound comes, when an arrow comes and it actually lands, and you, take, and you take it out, it leaves a wound. If you don't replace it with the truth, a wound is going to stay. You've got to replace it. The lie has to be replaced with the truth. So when the enemy comes and says, you're never going to make it, you're never going to get out of this problem. You've been doing this. You've been in this addiction for years. You've been a slave to this for years. You're never going to get out of it. You resist the enemy. You resist the enemy, and you know who you are in Christ. You know whose you are in Christ. And you know that your identity is called son and daughter. And when the enemy comes and tries to land that blow and says, you're never going to make it. You're never going to walk out the call of God in your life. You just say, Father, I thank you. I thank you that I trust you. I'm seated in heavenly places with you, far above all things. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans that I have uh, for, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you, give you a hope and a future. Father, I know that you're working my battles. You're working for me. You go before me. God loves you. You're a son and you're a daughter. It is high time for the body of Christ to begin to really realize who we are so that when the enemy comes and tries to land the blow, we know how to respond. Look, guys, people are looking at you. People are looking at you and me, and they're asking, who are these Christians? It's like they got problems, and, and they say they've got a big God, but they don't, they don't act like it. It's time for us as a body to really step into that place. This morning, will you step into that place? Will you step into that place of saying, I'm a son and I'm a daughter? Will you stand with me? I just want to pray for you, and then I'm going to ask Dave to come. How many of you guys just feel so like overwhelmed in life at times, right? You just, you just, you know, the, life just happens and it just feels like sometimes it just keeps coming. Man, thanks be unto God though. Thanks be unto God that when we know who we are, when we understand where our position is in Christ, 
It takes on a whole new reality. Pastor Brandon talked about perspective just four weeks ago. It's time for us to get perspective. It's time for us to understand who we are. Let me pray for you. Father, we just thank you this morning. I thank you, Father, that you are so wonderful and you're so amazing and you're so loving and so true. And Father, I thank you, God, that you know exactly where every single person in this place is. God, you know exactly what their ups and downs are. God, you know what their week looks like. God, you know, Father, the ones that are, are need work and the ones that, you know, need, need, uh, need answers, God, in their life, Father. And Lord, you know the ones that are struggling, God. And I just thank you this week, God, that you will go before them, Lord, and you will begin to pave their way, Lord, and pave their path, Father, God, that when the blow of the enemy tries to come, Lord, that they will rise up in their mentality and in their identity and know that I'm a son and I'm a daughter of Christ, Lord, that you will empower them, God, empower them to do great works this week and for the rest of their life. Father, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.